we've been in our Dream Year series, it's been awesome. Um, I just would like to say that this message does no justice on its own because I seriously, I told Brian um, studying this week, I was like, what can I say that you haven't already said? Because um, I just feel like it's just been so rich and I've left every service just deeply challenged, just feeling like God's calling us as a church to do great things, but then me individually, just that God really is wanting to do great things this year. So if you didn't get the first two parts, uh, you can go online and listen to it. I promise you, you won't be sorry that you did if you do it. So with all that said, we're going to do our theme verses, Joshua 21, 45 in the NLT. And it says this, not a single one of all the good promises, the what promises? God's promises are good, aren't they? Uh, the, the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything. How much? Everything he had spoken came true. And then let's look at the text we're going to be extracting some thoughts out of today. And it says, when he finished, he being Jesus, he said to Simon Peter, push out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon said, Master, we've been fishing hard all night and haven't caught even a minnow. But if you say so, I'll let out our nets. And it was no sooner said than done. A huge haul of fish straining the nets past capacity. And they waved to their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they filled both boats. Somebody say both boats. Say both of them nearly swamping them with the catch. And Simon Peter saw it and he fell to his knees before Jesus. And he said, Master, leave me. I'm a sinner and I can't handle this holiness. Leave me to myself. And when they pulled in the catch of fish, all overwhelmed Simon and everyone with him. Let's just pray real quick before we start. God, I just thank you that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, declare in this house that every ear is open and receptive, every heart be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, declare in this place that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, if you haven't been with us, we've been in this series called Dream Year. And we really believe in our hearts that this is a time that we don't just set, make goals, but we actually go after them. And I think a lot of times we're really great at uh, setting goals and we have all these things that we want to do. But if we just be real honest, our goals are kind of like rollover minutes. I mean, they transfer from one year to the next to the next. And if nothing else, none of them are getting accomplished. In fact, we just have more goals than we had the year before because we haven't really done anything. I'll just give you, I'm not exempt of this. I had a whole list of goals that I had this last year, and I saw God do amazing things. One of the goals I had was for us to purchase land as a church. Another goal I had was to read 52 books. Last year, I read 53 books, and so I met that goal. And then uh, I wanted to run a half marathon. I did that. But the one goal that's been on my list for four years now, somebody say four, four years, it's my rollover minute goal is to write a book. And I still haven't done it, but I'm declaring this year I'm going to do it. This is my dream year. I'm going to do it. But here's the thing is I love what Brian said. and It's just been resounding in my heart that one day and someday steal more dreams than anything. And, and this is our time to say that we're not going to wait for one day, but we're going to go after what God has called us to do today. And I love this text that we're looking at today because here Peter is and he's washing his nets. He hasn't caught anything. And Jesus finds him in the midst of his disappointment, in the midst of his failure. And he says, I want you to launch out to the deep water. You know, I, I don't know about you guys, but have you ever gone to the ocean? And you feel pretty safe if you're just ankle deep in the water, right? 
You're like, this is good. It's cool. Like, I can see my feet. You can see the fish around you unless you're in South Padre, and it's just brown. The water's just brown. But if you're in a real ocean, uh, you can see the fish underneath you. And then you go about uh, knee deep, and you're like, okay, this is still cool. I can still see fish. You go waist deep, and you're getting a little nervous, right? You're starting to look because there's less people out there. Have you ever gotten out there, and you're out to your shoulders, and waves are coming over you, and all of a sudden, you hear the theme song of Jaws start playing, and you're like, I better go back to the shower water. This is too deep. But I love this because Jesus says, hey, Peter, I want you to go beyond where you've ever gone before. I, I want you to go to the deep waters. Oh, let me just break it down like this. I want you to go to a place that even when you want to quit, you couldn't swim back in your own strength. I want you to go so far. See, a lot of times we're happy with safe goals Goals that we can obtain because we almost want to save ourselves from disappointment. So instead of saying, I'm believing God for my pay to double this year, we say, oh, I just hope I make, you know, $100 more a month because we want safe goals. But Jesus did not call us to safe living or small thinking. He's called us to live big lives and to go deep after what he's called us to do. So Jesus calls him out to go deep. How deep are you going to go this year? I know that you stuck with your goals for a week last year, but what if you did it for a whole year? What if instead of you quitting uh, at the point of, well, I'm going to go online and check out what schools I could go to college at and what classes I could take. What if you actually enrolled this year? Where would you be at this time next year? And what would happen if we began to go deep after God? See, here the first thing Jesus tells him here is I want you to go in the deep waters. You know, my... Um, my daughter is amazing. Uh, she's the pastor of uh, Ruth Cherry Elementary School. It's really awesome. She's currently serving um, in three different classrooms as pastor, and she's doing a phenomenal job. She's winning her class to Jesus. Bear is currently the pastor of Davis Elementary. Uh, him and Jules, Jules, uh, Candace's daughter is the co-pastor over there. They, they, she's the associate. They run it together. But um, my daughter told me that she wanted to me to go to camp with her. Now, for those of you that don't know, I went to kids' summer camp with our church kids, and let me just say, it was traumatic. It was a very traumatic experience. Um, there was a plague that broke out this last year at Dry Gulch. I like to call it the Dry Gulch Plague, um, where everybody ended the camp, and by the end of the camp, they were vomiting, diarrhea, everything. And nearly all of our children, I'm telling the truth, aren't I? I'm just shaking her head, yes. Nearly all of our children uh, got blessed with this terrible sickness, including myself. Um, it's cool. When your kid throws up, you're good, right? I mean, my kid throws up. I'm like, I'm good. I got this. I'm down. I'm picking it up. But when everybody's kids are throwing up, it's a little traumatic. I'm still seeking counseling for the trauma that was done. I can't hear the word camp with like having post-traumatic stress. I'm like, oh my gosh, vomit. So Braley came home and apparently in fifth grade, they go on a trip. I don't get this. We used to go on field trips to Dairy Queen. Um, nowadays, I guess they say that's not big enough because now you got to grab your parents and you got to go camping. Where do you go outside the whole time? Um, we're going to be outside. I told Braley, if it snows, I am not going. You are on your own. I love you. I'll send somebody else to go as your mother. Anyways, um, you guys think I'm joking. That's the funny part. Um, anyways, and so she begged me to go. So I said, okay, well, apparently you have to get fingerprinted. Have you ever had to get a fingerprint background check? Anybody in this place? All right, I got a few of us. Okay, so to go get a fingerprint background check, it's a little intense. Like, I thought you just walk in, they scan your fingerprints, and you walk out. That's what one would assume, right, correct? And I walk in the office, and she shuts the door. That's when I knew you're in trouble. 
when you go to school and they shut the door behind the teacher's office, right? And so she goes, okay, Crystal, um, I need you to sign this saying that everything you're about to tell me is the truth, the whole truth, so help you God. I'm like, oh my gosh. And she goes, all of your answers and responses to this question is being sent to the FBI. I'm like, what? The FBI? I don't know about you guys, but the FBI and the IRS strike fear in my heart. I'm just being honest. I mean, it could just be a good day. Everything's cool. Everything's chill. And somebody says, IRS. I'm like, what? And uh, so she goes, all of your responses will be sent to the FBI. I'm like, girl, I was just going to camp. Like, we good. Like, we're good. Everything's fine. And she said, I need your driver's license. I said, okay. So I hand her my driver's license. And she said, do you affirm that your name is Crystal Jennifer Sparks? Yes. I think that's my name. Yes. And she said, okay, it's not hard. Remember, all your answers are going to the FBI. I'm like, I already know that. That's why I'm freaking out right now. And she goes, can you please state your address? I'm like, oh, gosh. Okay. And at this moment, I remembered that I hadn't gotten my driver's license renewed since I moved here two years ago. So it still has my old address. So I'm like, great. She's about to catch me in a lie. So I tell her my address. And she goes, that is not the address on your driver's license. Do you affirm that's your, that it is your address? I'm like, I think it's my address. I mean, I think I live there. I'm not sure. And now I'm like second guessing everything. And she goes, Crystal, do you, have you ever been known by an alias? I'm like, oh my gosh. Well, I mean, people at church, like some of my friends call me C Sparks because our other friend is Crystal Figueroa and it gets confusing. So they call me C Sparks. Does that matter? And she's like, that does not matter. Like, do you have any aliases? I'm like, I have not ever robbed a bank. She goes, I didn't ask that. Do you have any aliases? I'm like, I don't know. You can call me whatever you want. And so we're going through all this. And, and then it gets to the ethnicity part. You know, I like the ethnicity where you have like four choices, right, Jessica? It's like, you're white, you're black, you're Hispanic, you're Asian. That's it. Done, right? No, she goes down the list. Are you Puerto Rican? Are you from Colombia? Do you have South America? Um, do you have Irish, German? I'm like, I don't know. And she goes through all of this. And I thought, man, I didn't know I have to go to Ancestry.com before I come for my background check. I'm like, I don't even know. And so she goes, she goes through all those. She said, do any of those describe your ethnicity? I said, I'm not sure. And she goes, how about white? I'm like, yeah, that's good. Just check that box. That's good. That'll cover all the bases and we're good. And so we're going through all this. And I thought it was funny, but as funny as it seems, I think a lot of times in our life, the one question that's always shouting in our ears is who are you? Who are you? I'll say it like this. Maybe you're not being interrogated in your responses going to the FBI, but maybe it's this. It's, are you rich or are you poor? Are you successful or are you unsuccessful? Are you educated or are you uneducated? Are you fat or are you skinny? Are you single or divorced? Are you a good mom or are you a bad mom? Are you a good daughter or bad daughter? It's like we're constantly having to answer this question, who are you? Who are you? And, and if we'd all just be real honest, I think a lot of times in our life, we don't know how to answer that. As, as comical as that story is, and the truth in our lives, when we're confronted with things that are bigger than us, we often don't know who we are. See, here Peter is, and he's a fisherman. And I, I just want to ask you a question. Help me out here. A fisherman, his one goal is to catch what? 
Right? That's all he's done for years. He's been trained to do it. He's got the boat to do it. He's got the nets to do it. This is his goal. And here he is, and he's in his boat, and he catches the biggest catch of fish that he's ever caught. Now, businessmen, this this would be like you landing the biggest contract you've ever had. This would be like you having the greatest day of success, you landing the job, everything turning out right. And here he is. He's confronted with now he's got everything he wants. But the problem is he doesn't know who he is. See, and a lot of times I think in our life that we could say that this is going to be our dream year and that God's going to do amazing things. And no doubt, I believe for all those things. But the truth is, is if you don't know who you are, you could be the one that's self-destructing your own destiny. You could be the reason why your dreams aren't being fulfilled. Maybe all the stuff that you're blaming on your parents, your past, your childhood, all these things. Maybe it's none of those things. Maybe the problem's you. Because here Peter is, he's confronted. See, because a lot of times I think we think we want something external. Well, if this would be different, then I'd be happy. If this was different, I'd be happy. Single people are like, if I was married, then I'd be happy. The truth is, if you're not happy single, you won't be happy married. Because misery's in you. It's, it's not at an employer. It's not because of your boss. It's because it's you. And here Peter thought, if I got more fish, if I was the number one guy, maybe I'd be happy. But I love what the Bible tells us. It says that he fell down on his knees and he said, depart from me. Leave me alone. In other words, I'm satisfied with a small life because I can't handle this measure of success. Have you given yourself permission to succeed? See, a lot of times I think uh, that sounds stupid, doesn't it? But we, in our own, without even knowing it, when you don't know who you are, you will self-sabotage yourself. You will talk somebody out of loving you. You will give them all the reasons why they shouldn't love you, why they'd be happier with somebody else, why they should pick somebody else. Why? Because you don't know who you are. I was... um, Asked, I was, um, we're very involved with our city, and uh, I'm very honored and thankful for that. And um, they were pursuing a large contract for a big event that we were having. And we were believing, and we were walking into that meeting, knowing that this business person we were meeting with had the potential to be our number one donor for this event. And uh, so we're driving over, and she, uh, this lady had asked me to be in the meeting, and she said, I'd love for you to be there for moral support. I'm like, yeah, girl, I'm in your corner. I got you. I got you. And so we pull up and she said, oh, by the way, you're going to pitch the whole deal and get him to sign the contract. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that right as we're walking in. That's great. And so I walk in and and I let this businessman know, with your $10,000 sponsorship, this is what it's going to look like. I gave him every reason why it's very advantageous for him to sign the contract, why it's exclusive to him, to nobody else, how this is going to be the event that takes his business to another level. The guy is nodding his head. He leans into the table. He said, all right, let me see the contract. I slide the contract around across the table. We are that close from getting our biggest sponsorship. Come on, somebody. It's a big deal, right? And so I'm excited. I'm like, dang, we did this, girl. We did it. And then my counterpart popped up and she goes, you don't want this. You don't want this sponsorship. In fact, the last three people I presented it to, they all turned us down. You'll probably get it for half price if you wait a few more weeks. And she began to talk that man out of being a sponsor. See, that sounds funny when I talk about her, but where have you talked people out of you? You talk people out of, you could be talking your boss out of promotion. He gives you a bigger assignment than you've ever had, and you tell him all the reasons why you're not good enough to do it. 
You walk into a business deal and you're about to land a big contract and you give them all the reasons why somebody else could do the job better than you. See, a lot of times if you don't know who you are, you could have blessing all around you and still not be able to hold it. See, Peter thought something external would bring internal confirmation. But the truth is, unless you're okay with you in here, you're never going to be okay with the outside until the inside's right. See, Peter didn't know who he was. Do you know who you are? Who are you? I believe that God has a big message and he wants to get it out. And it's going to take all of us to do it. And it's going to take all of us knowing where our place is in this plan that he has for us. The Bible tells us in Psalms 23 verse 4, it says that he has prepared a table before our enemies. See, I think a lot of times we think that God is up in heaven just going, oh, well, Brad wants this. Let me just prepare the blessing for him. Let me prepare the finances he needs. Let me prepare the job. No, everything you want's already prepared. The table's already been set. The question is, are you woman are man enough to take your place and know that God has called you to sit at that table. Because if you don't know who you are, the blessing's still there. But the problem is your view of yourself is keeping you from the provision. The view of yourself. See, the Bible talks more about God preparing us than he does about the blessing. The blessing's the sure part. You're the questionable part. And until you know who you are, you're never going to be able to step into everything that God has for you. Um, so fast forward a few years. Here Peter is. He's been walking with Jesus for quite some time. Jesus is ending his life. He's in the few moments before the cross. And here he is. And here's this conversation in Matthew 16, uh, 13 through 19. It says, when Jesus arrived in the villages of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, what are people saying about who the Son of Man is? And they replied, some think he is John the baptizer. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. In other words, people don't know who you are, Jesus. They can't agree about you, Jesus. And he says, and he pressed them. And he said, how about you? Who do you say that I am? Now, just keep in mind, these are 12 guys that have been traveling with Jesus for years. These are 12 guys that have watched him sleep, eat, raise Lazarus from the dead, open blind eyes, do all kind of crazy miracles, right? 12 guys that should know who he is. And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus came back and said, God bless you, Simon Barjona, for you didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. My father in heaven, God himself let you in on the secret of who I really am. And now I'm about to tell you who you are who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. And this is the rock which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that even the gates of hell will not be able to keep it out. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is a yes in heaven, and a no on earth is a no in heaven. Now just get this. This whole time, Peter's been trying to find out who he is. And the moment he found out who he is is when he found out who Jesus is. When he pronounced that Jesus is the son of the living God, when he found out who Jesus really is. Now keep in mind, the other 11 in the room didn't get that spoken over him because only one person really got who Jesus was. One person was one to pipe up and say, this is who you are. You know, a lot of times I think with our uh, social media and Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, we think we know people because we see their posts. You don't know them. 
It it makes us feel like we're involved in people's lives. Example, on Justin Bieber's birthday, y'all posting, happy birthday, Justin Bieber. Let me just tell you, Justin Bieber ain't reading your Facebook posts. I have friends all the time, every year on George Strait's birthday, they're posting, happy birthday, George, your songs have inspired my life. And George Strait ain't reading your Facebook posts. But somewhere in our mind, we think we know them because we watched their little 15-second video on Instagram. We think we know them. Example, like I have people tell me all the time, oh, I just love your husband. I know he probably likes this, this, and that. You don't know him. Hello, you don't know him. Just like I don't know your husband. I can walk into a buffet restaurant and look at the buffet and go, my kids aren't going to eat that. They're not going to eat that. They're not going to eat that. Why? Because I know my kids. I know my kids, all the moms in the place say amen. You know your kids before it even comes to the table, you can read the description and go, he ain't going to like that. He ain't even going to eat that. Why? Because you know them. Do you know God like that? See, a lot of times I love what this says because Jesus says, you didn't get this from books or from teachers. In other words, you didn't get this from a podcast or a Joyce Meyer study or from a message that you heard at the church where city. This is from something that you know for yourself. Do you know Jesus? I mean, beyond just hearing a message and, ooh, that gave me goosebumps. And when Candace sings, it sure is pretty. That's all great. That's all good. But do you know him? Because when a bad diagnosis comes and the doctor pronounces things over you like cancer, or whatever he might say, if you don't know him, then you're going to think that what was sent to hurt you is there to help you, and you're going to be embracing what you should be pushing away. You've got to know him. And I think so much of our life, we think that if I have this job, I'll be happy. If I have this thing, and everything's external to bring validation. The only one that's going to validate your life is Jesus and Jesus alone. And Peter realized a whole life of searching gave him nothing. But one moment when he realized who he was, he got everything he needed. Your identity comes down to three things. It's who you are. It's what you should be doing. And it's where you're going. You don't have to be, so many times, let me just tell you, church, we think that the only people with purpose are pastors. The only people with purpose are worship leaders. No, here he is, he's a fisherman, and Jesus begins to tell him how intricate he is for the kingdom. Let me just encourage you that you can be an accountant for a company and be called by God with purpose on your life to make a difference in that company. You could be driving a concrete truck and thinking, oh, well, nobody even cares, but God's called you to drive that concrete truck for his purpose and for his call. Here Peter is, he finds out that it was never anything external. It was always something internal. Do you know him? Do you know him? Is he the first place you go when you hear bad news? Is he your source when you feel low? Have you ever, why do people get together in this 21 days of fast? It's stupid to go up and pray at a clubhouse at 5.30 in the morning. I've been doing it for two weeks, y'all. I'm tired. Pray for me. It's dumb. And every time I get up and the alarm clock's going off, I'm like, why am I doing this? Because when I come in there and we have prayer music on and I'm there and all of a sudden I begin to hear his voice. And it's worth it all because I know him. Do you know him that the faintest whisper of his voice would make you swallow your pride, pick up the phone and tell somebody you're sorry? Do you know him? Do you know him so much so that 
here you are, you've got a successful job, everything in your life is good, everything's comfortable, and all of a sudden in one moment he speaks to you to sell everything. Would you do it? Would you do it? Do you know him? See, I think I'm so, am I after great goals and great things? Yes, but I think a lot of times we think that we're after the goals because it's going to change how we think of ourselves. And friend, let me just tell you that you accomplishing every goal that you have for your dream year isn't going to change you. You're still going to be at the end of the year. Yeah, you'll have some things to show for it. Yeah, you'll have some medals on your wall. Yeah, you'll have some great times had. But here's the thing is if you don't ever know him, you don't have anything. I love this, that whenever the power of who you are is found in who he is. So stop asking, who am I? And start asking, who is he? Who is Jesus? Who is he to you? If you see God as a big God, then you live a big life. And if you see God as a little bitty small God, just trying to eke through and, oh man, this may be too big for God. Have you ever heard somebody say that? I heard somebody seriously tell me, Crystal, well, this is just too big for God. I thought, well, you're right. Because whether you think God can or you think he can't, you're right. Because that's what you'll see. Jesus never asked, who, he never asked himself, what am I? He always asked people, who do you say that I am? Because whatever you call him is what he becomes. And if you see him as big, he will be big. Because I believe that Jesus is forgiveness, I know that I'm forgiven. It doesn't matter what mistakes I make. It doesn't matter how much I fall short. Because I believe that he is forgiveness. I now know that I am forgiven. Because I believe that Jesus in himself is love. Then I know that I am loved. It doesn't matter how many mistakes I make. It doesn't matter how much I fall short. It doesn't matter. See, here's the thing is our worth is all tied up in how big our company gets, how many business deals we land. We, we go to school and we get the degree. But what happens if all those things are validating you and now the company goes south? Now you get the degree, but you applied for the job and you didn't get it. And when all your worth is in the external stuff, then what happens is when all the external starts failing and you don't know who you are rooted in him, then your life's a constant roller coaster. And one day your kids have happy dad because work went great and you landed the deal, but the next day they've got mad dad because nothing's going right. I want to build my life upon the rock who is Jesus because the Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we begin to realize that he is love, so I am loved. I believe that he is healing. Jesus has never felt the dry gulch plague. He's never experienced the dry gulch plague. And because he is healing, I can believe that I am healed because he is an undefeated king. Think about this. He is an undefeated king. If Jesus had stats, they would outrun anybody else. He is undefeated. He's won every Super Bowl. He's won every national championship. He's undefeated. And because when I begin to see him as undefeated, I begin to live life victorious. When I begin to see that Jesus is freedom, I begin to live life free. I love in the Bible, it says that John, I think John's probably my favorite disciple out of them all. And John writes in 1 John, he said, I write to you that which I've seen with my own eyes and I felt with my own hands. Do you have that kind of knowledge of who Jesus is? Oh, that was a good message. That, that was awesome. Well, Pastor Crystal says that Jesus is a healer. Yeah, but do you believe he's a healer? 
See, John's like, I'm not preaching to you something secondhand. I don't want to have a secondhand Christianity. I don't want to just have words that we say because they sound good. And this is where we say amen. And this is where we go to church. And this is where we read our Bible. No, I want to know him. And John 1, 1, it says, and the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You know what that tells me? That more than anything, Jesus came to have a relationship with you. He already knows you. He wants to know, do you know who he is? Because friends, let me just tell you, when you find out who he is, you find out who you are. Let's stand on our feet together. There's no one like Jesus. No one like him. His voice, church, let me just tell you, I hope this, I hope this message makes you hungry. Because a lot of times I, I just I don't want it to be something that feels good and you go home, but I want you to desire his voice more than anything else. I live for it. There's a guy named Matt, he's in our church, he's a firefighter in Rowlett. And when he first started having a prayer life, uh, he said I Brian told me just to get in my car and to start talking to God in my car. So I did. And he said, I began talking to him and I realized when I talk to him, he talks back. And he said, then I began to hear his voice. And he said, now my drives to work keep getting longer and longer because I just want to hear his voice more and more. Friend, there's nothing better than hearing his voice. Did you know this, that God could speak to you in one moment, give you an invention that makes you millions of dollars? You could be one word from God away. He could tell you, you could walk into a business deal, begin to pray, and you're sitting across from the table from somebody, and all of a sudden the Lord say, don't sign a contract with this person, they're gonna hurt you. I've had it happen to me. The Lord speak to me in a meeting, and I walk out only later to find out that person was a con artist. You gotta know him. You gotta know him. He's a living, breathing, walking, moving, talking God, and his home address isn't church. His home address is wherever you are. Take to him everything you have. You know, my daughter, um, when we moved here, my son was having a hard time with school, and it was just really bad. It was really, really bad. It was hard. Um, My son is his father's child, and uh, he's very much like Brian. Uh, They like consistency. They don't like change. And Bear's little world was rocked. He didn't have his friends. He didn't have his family. He didn't have anything. And he would cry. I'm talking big crocodile tears, huge tears, all the way to school. He would cry so much at school every day that he would fall asleep at his desk. How sad is that? They'd end up carrying him to the nurse's station where he'd sleep. And just when he'd wake up, he'd just go back to crying. This went on not for days, friends, weeks, weeks. We're on week number three of doing this. And I dropped him off at school that day. And, uh, I don't know what happened because Brian always does that. I'm definitely not the designator dropper offer. And uh, he was crying when he got out of the car. My heart was broke within me and I got back to the house and I was just praying. I'm like, God, are we really where you want us to be? My kids can't stop crying. My heart can't take this anymore. Like this is three weeks. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just tell me, you haven't asked me. So then I'm like mockingly, okay, God, ruler of all the universe. Sure, you know my kid. Okay, sure. Okay, God, what's wrong with my kid? I'll try you on it. What's wrong with my kid? And he began to speak to me and said, this person told him this. And they told him that if he would cry long enough and hard enough that you'd move back to Sulphur Springs. And I'm like, what? Secret conversation was not had in front of me. My son gets home from school that day. I sat him down on the couch and I said, baby, look at me. 
said, did this person tell you this, that if you would cry long enough and hard enough that we would move you back to Sulphur Springs? And he started crying. He said, yeah. I said, well, they lied. I said, this is your life. And you know what? Those people over there at that school, those are your friends. And they're waiting to be your friend. And the only difference between you having a good day at school and a bad day at school is you making up your mind. I don't want you to cry anymore. You are not going to cry your way into this thing. I want you to begin to do what you're supposed to do. Yes, Mom, I prayed with him. And I said, just for the record, the Holy Spirit told me that. So don't you go trying anything because God will tell me. And now my kids got the fear of God in me. They're like, don't do nothing. Mama will find out. God will talk to her. Why? Because I know him. Now, let me just ask you, what are you trying so hard on your own right now that one word from God could fix it? But you got to know him. And that doesn't come from a message. It doesn't come from a podcast. It doesn't come from karaoke along with a song. It comes from time spent in his presence. It comes from opening up your Bible and saying, God, I don't want to just read this as stories, but I want to know you. I promise you this, friend, as you begin to talk to him, he'll start talking to you.